Welcome to the Doctors Hospital podcast. I am your host, Alexis Burrows, brand manager at Doctors Hospital. Today, we are having a conversation about sleep studies. Um, This is something that's relatively new within the doctor's hospital space. And we have on the podcast today to talk about sleep studies, Dr. Adrian Cargill, who's a pulmonary critical care sleep specialist, and Ronaldo Clark, who is a registered sleep technologist. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Happy to be here. Before we get started, here are a few words on the new normal at Doctors Hospital. We at Doctors Hospital have been hard at work preparing for the new normal. From COVID screening as you enter the facility, to mandatory hand and shoe washing stations. To further limit contact, we have launched a concierge service that allows for pre-registration and in-car waiting. Scheduling for imaging, laboratory, rehabilitation, and other services has also been adjusted. And our pharmacy is now offering curbside pickup and delivery. We're here to serve you with the same quality and care that you've come to expect. Doctors Hospital. Trusted and best care now. Isn't your health worth it? We are going to go through a series of questions just to kind of, you know, get a, a, an introductory idea into what sleep studies are, what's the, the point, wh- where does it fit in into, um, into the field of medicine, and just to try and, you know, help our listeners to wrap our head around, you know, whether or not they might need a sleep study and what the importance of it is. So to get started, um, Dr. Cargill, what exactly is a sleep study? Thank you. So a sleep study is a test that records the activity of the body during sleep. The role of these studies are important because they help to diagnose what we term in medicine sleep breathing or sleep-related disorders. These sleep-related disorders can affect the way that you function and the difficulty with sometimes recognizing that they exist Um, is a challenging issue for physicians. So the sleep study is used to determine whether someone has one of these uh, conditions or disorders. Okay. Um, So from, if I'm just a, you know, an everyday guy going about my daily life, what, what might lead me to or why might I need to get a sleep study done? So the most common symptoms that people would experience, and I would divide it into things that you would experience during sleep or nighttime, mm-hmm. and then things that you would experience while you're awake. Okay. So let's look at the things that you might experience during your sleep. The most common complaint would be from your bed partner, your girlfriend, your wife. They would complain that you have very loud snoring, sometimes they would joke and say it's snoring that could wake the dead. <laughs> um, they would also be very concerned because you would be seen to choke, gasp, mm. or pause in your breathing. 
and the partner may become very disturbed or alarmed that they think you may be uh, choking to death. You might also notice that you have jerking body movements, um, particularly of your legs, sometimes your arms, restless tossing and turning throughout the night, or you might get up a lot to use the bathroom to pee, sometimes two, three, even more times a night. Mm-hmm. If you look at the symptoms that you would experience while you're awake, um, some people would complain that no matter how many hours that they sleep, they would wake up feeling tired and fatigued as if they did not get any rest at all. Mm-hmm. You would have a dry or sore throat in the morning, a headache. You would have difficulty focusing on tasks or concentrating, and you would need a coffee, caffeine, something to get you going. Mm-hmm. Most commonly, you would complain of sleepiness throughout the day, uh, fatigue, a tiredness, a difficulty concentrating on tasks. You may have mood swings or changes in your personality. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a fairly wide-ranging list. Um, I guess as a follow-up question, you know, what if, I say, well, you know, I, my life is just busy. Like I, I have a busy job, you know, my, my family takes a lot of my time and I'm just busy. And that's why my sleep isn't restful because there's just a lot going on in my life. How, how would you respond to somebody who kind of uses that as a counterpoint to say, well, maybe I don't really need a sleep study. My life is just what it is. I would respond to them by saying sleep apnea and sleep breathing disorders are probably the most underdiagnosed condition inside the world today mm-hmm. and it's greatly related to the obesity epidemic that's affected the western world mm-hmm. so a common thing that you find in persons who have sleep apnea uh it's very common in persons over the age of 50 mm-hmm. it's more common in men with a two to one ratio mm-hmm. and it's common in obese persons where if you use the indicator, the body mass index of greater than 30, mm-hmm. if you have two of those three values, you have a 90% chance of having obstructive sleep apnea. Now, okay. if you apply that information to the Bahamian population, where based on the most recent That's data analysis from the Ministry of Health and the incidence of chronic non-communicable diseases in the country, mm-hmm then you would see how many people would actually fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would, I would also uh, like to chime in on that. Um, we talk about uh, excessive daytime sleepiness and these other things. But also, I would also like to add in on that question. If someone's in there extremely busy, that's why they're tired. But I would try to challenge them. Because if you're extremely busy and you're excessively tired, I think you should still probably just go and have a conversation with your primary care physician because we are talking it in a a light sense. But we also would like to point out that some persons with excessive daytime sleepiness, sometimes they operate heavy machineries Mm. in a simpler form. Sometimes they even operate vehicles. If they are falling asleep during these times, it could cause catastrophic events, even to death. So if you if you are extremely busy, but if you are saying or somebody is telling you that you're snoring, I should, I think you should still have that conversation with your primary care physician so that you can at least get information on it and see if you need to be treated for any form of sleep disorders. 
Excellent point, Ronaldo. Because I think, you know, what, what, what you're saying there is it's better to know than to not know. And I think that's a point sometimes that we often miss. And especially when, when you look at um, Dr. Cargill, you're saying, you know, um, over 50 men obese, there's, there's, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot of our population. Um, so it's, it's critical that you know, you know, if you might be having um, sleep, sleep problems or sleep-related issues. Now, that kind of um, Ronaldo's answer kind of tied into my next question, which is, why is it important to know if I'm having a definitive sleep disorder, if it's sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea, any of those sleep-related issues? Why is that something that is important for me to know? So I would further expand on Ronaldo's point mm -hmm. where he talked about the risk to others. Mm -hmm. The risk to others, someone who is excessively sleepy, as he said, operating heavy machinery, a bus driver, a person operating a tractor, someone who is out exercising, taking a swim. Mm. If you, and, there, and persons who have extreme cases of obstructive sleep apnea, we know that these persons can fall asleep at a stoplight. They can fall asleep at a, at a stop sign. Mm -hmm. They can fall asleep while sometimes driving over a long distance. Mm -hmm. So think of how dangerous this could be to other persons around. Right. I mean, you can fall asleep on the Wendy's drive-thru line. I've seen videos of persons <laughs> sending them around the internet of a security guard falling asleep on a chair, someone falling asleep while uh, sitting down in a corner somewhere. Right. But those persons very likely have obstructive sleep apnea and a medical condition. Right. In addition to just the sleepiness part, obstructive sleep apnea affects every part of your body. Mm -hmm. In effect, if you, you can go from head to toe. It affects the brain by increasing your risk of stroke. Persons mm. who have sleep apnea, they are known to have a three times greater risk of stroke. It causes excess, excessive stress on the heart in different ways. It causes drug-resistant hypertension. So you may be on two, three, sometimes four medications to control your blood pressure, and you can't get the blood pressure under control. It's because of sleep apnea. It right. puts you at risk for heart failure. It puts you at risk for a regular heartbeat, mm -hmm. such as atrial fibrillation. Persons who have obstructive sleep apnea, they have a 50% chance higher of sudden death. Right. Sleep apnea is also related to increased inflammation, and it can cause cancer. There right. are many, many different ways where sleep apnea affects the body. Right. And I think that's, um, you know, to Ronaldo's point, I think, you know, sometimes you talk about the videos and, and this is obviously that conversation about this culture of sharing videos of people in certain circumstances. But the the the, the point I'm making from that is, you know, we tend to, to share these videos and make light of it. But I think the thing that you're saying is, you know, this is something that could be um, of critical importance to somebody's overall health. Which leads into my next question, which is, and I think you started to touch on some of these, but what are some of the possible diagnostic outcomes, or I guess some of the, the larger, um, more obvious and more dangerous health problems that can come out of, you know, going through a sleep study and finding out that you have one of these sleep disorders? So the sleep disorder, if the sleep disorder is present and treated, it reduces the risk of 
those events that I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, just to recap, strokes, uh, stress on the cardiovascular system, including mm -hmm. better control of blood pressure, better control of heart failure, control of irregular heart rhythms, which puts you at risk for heart attack, uh, decreased risk of sudden death, decreased risk of cancer. Um, you know, sleep apnea affects uh, your sexual dysfunction, mm -hmm. so better sexual performance. Uh, decreased getting up at night to use the bathroom. Uh, persons who have sleep apnea have difficulty controlling their diabetes due to the inflammation and the hormones, the stress hormones that are released with sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. So you get better control of diabetes, better control of your mood, better concentration, better control of chronic pain. All of these are better when you determine if a sleep disorder is present and properly treat it. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to I want to stick a pin in one of the things you mentioned, and this is for two reasons. One, because it ties back to a conversation that we had on the podcast with Dr. Pinto when we were talking about men's health um, during the month of June, and that is the connection between um, sleep sleep disorders, specifically OSA. Um, and sexual dysfunction. Can you elaborate on that? Because I know sometimes, you know, especially with, with men, you know, you have to hit at things that are near and dear to their heart. And I think for a lot of men, if you, if you kind of expand on the connections between sleep disorders and sexual dysfunction, that may actually help to drive more people to, to finding out if they have this issue. So as much as you can, can you expand on that connection? So in order to have sex, you must both be able to have sex and be in the mood to have sex. The ability to have sex, meaning you have blood flow, proper nerves going to the penis, mm -hmm. and the mood the, you have to drive to. Because if someone tells you your father died, you're not going to be in the mood to have sex, if you understand what I'm saying. Right. Now, sleep apnea, we know that during many studies that have done, that have been done, there are increased inflammatory markers that circulate throughout the body, increased stress hormones. And mm -hmm. these stress hormones are counterproductive to increasing your libido. Mm -hmm. We also know that the stress hormones that are released with sleep apnea decrease blood flow to the penis. Mm -hmm. So in that vein, you have a decreased performance in your libido. Right. So essentially what you're saying is it, it actually can affect you from, from both parts of the equation, both from the mental and libido part of it, and then also from the physical, physiological just function of the, the whole process. Exactly. Right. So yeah, I mean, so for the men listening or for the women listening, if you, you know, you, you're seeing some of the connections with your partner or your loved one, you know, it, it may be this, this will give you some impetus to kind of, you know, push them. Cause I know, I mean, we, we're all men, but you know, and we all work within the healthcare system. So we know how men can be in terms of pursuing issues related to their health. Um, and we tend to not necessarily do that. Um, so I think it's critical to kind of explain some of the things that, like I said, would be near and dear to, to what men consider important in their life and use that as one of the motivating factors to, to help them get, you know, to, to, to check this out and get to know what may be going on with their body, especially given all of the other major health risks that are associated. Yeah. Before we continue, here are a few words on Doctors Hospital's new Loyalty Advantage membership program. Doctors Hospital is proud to introduce the Loyalty Advantage membership program, or LAMP. 
LAMP offers medical service discounts to new and existing doctors' hospital patients. With membership starting as low as $20 per month, LAMP benefits include fee waivers for insured patients, discounts on inpatient and outpatient services, access to free imaging services, and much more. For a full list of benefits or to sign up for LAMP, visit doctorshospitalcom LAMP. Doctors Hospital, trusted and best care now. Isn't your health worth it? So... I guess moving more into some of the practical, how does this process work? Um, Ronaldo, how, if, if I was, if I'd already gone to the, through the process of saying, okay, well, I know I need a sleep study and I'm getting ready to come in for it. Um, how do I prepare? What do I need to do in advance? How do I get myself ready for a sleep study? Uh, before I start, I'd like to say thank you to my fellow colleagues who are treating COVID-19 patients, especially those who are working at Doctors Hospital West facility. Uh, preparation for sleep study is quite simple. Prior to sleep study, you should avoid any caffeine drinks. Uh, this, this includes uh, chocolate. Uh, you know, we just look at, at coffee as being caffeine. Mm-hmm. But we also want to avoid those chocolates and we also want to avoid those teas. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we look at those herbal teas and don't realize they have caffeine in them as well. Mm-hmm. You, also, you also would like to avoid any daytime naps. This is very important because it ensures that when you arrive at our facility, you actually fall asleep and you're not, and you're not up all night. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't want you to, 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 to be afraid about anything because if you don't sleep, it's all a part of the study. Right. So when you come, you don't have to try to force yourself to sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then I guess once I'm in and, you know, we're, we're doing all of the setup, what can I expect during the process of getting the sleep study done? Okay. So during a sleep study, you are greeted by one of our friendly registered sleep technologists. I wish to appoint, I wish to point out that security is present during and after all procedures. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely no side effects <laughs> and you would not have to feel, and you would not feel anything during the procedure. The sleep room mimics your typical bedroom at home and the temperature is controlled to your liking. So I know you're thinking it's going to be a hospital setup, but the room is actually set up like your bedroom at home. Okay. So during the setup, the sleep, the sleep technologist will connect electrodes to various parts of your body, which includes your head, your eyes, your chin, your chest, abdomen, legs, and fingers. Mm-hmm. This helps with obtaining necessary data needed to record your sleep patterns. The typical, set, the, the typical setup takes about 30 to 45 minutes to complete before you are allowed to go to bed. But at the same time, you are free to watch television until you feel like you are tired. You're not, you're not being forced to go to sleep. So you can watch TV and the minute the sleep technologist realizes that you're getting sleepy, then you would be allowed to go you will be allowed to go to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, during the night, during the sleep study, the technologist may recognize that you have obstructive sleep apnea, which Dr. Cargill pointed out earlier during the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, once the technologist realized this, he would apply a device called a CPAP or a BiPAP machine, mm-hmm. and this machine will help you to breathe better. Now, this is not any medication or anything like that. This is just the natural air that you and I are breathing right now. Now, there are some people say they are claustrophobic and different things like that. Now, there are multiple masks to choose from, and you can select one that is most comfortable for you. I want to reiterate that there are no side effects, so and you won't feel anything. So any fear you may have, 
you don't have to worry about any of those things. And if you have any fears, the technologist will be happy to answer any questions that you may have to try to relieve, to alleviate any of those fears. Okay. So I have two follow-up questions with regards to the process of taking the study itself. One, um, if I'm somebody who has a sleep routine that involves, let's say, drinking um, a glass of milk before bed or, you know, something along those lines or just any sort of normal pattern or routine, is that something that I can apply into when I'm coming into the sleep study or is this meant to be something that's a little bit more controlled and outside of the normal routine? I think the only thing we would like to control is any stimulant. When I okay. say stimulant, mm-hmm. we're talking about the coffees and the teas. The right. milk, the milk, the milk would be fine. We also don't want any smoking or anything like that. Like anything that stimulates you. Right. Even sometimes, you know, ladies tend to like to watch uh, this Lifetime. Those <laughs> and men tend to watch action movies. Those get you excited. So you stay up all night. So we'll try to move you away from those things. Right. Try to get you into a more comfortable, relaxed uh, environment so that you're able to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a good one actually because I know a lot of people who may like fall asleep with, let's say, um, instrumental music on YouTube or scriptures playing through YouTube or some other form. Um, is that something that's allowed? Yes, that 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 is definitely allowed, and you can bring your iPods, you can bring your iPods, mm-hmm. whatever you use to listen to to relax. Now, again, if it's any of the you know the the music that gets you excited, so cool. we don't want you to bring any of those things. But anything you know, you read your scripture at night, you can read right. your Bible, your audio Bible, uh, different things that get you to relax. You mm-hmm. can bring those things, and if that helps you to sleep, by all means, okay. bring it with you, and we'll be happy to. Use. Okay, and then I guess my second follow-up question was, um, is there any sort of um, medication or anything like that that's given to you when at the start of the study, or this is, again, something that's meant to be a little bit more natural? There'll be no medication given. It's all, it's everything is natural. So how you would normally fall asleep, we want to record and mimic that exact same pattern. Mm-hmm. Because if we give a medication or we give something that will help you go to sleep, it might, make the, it might make your symptoms worse than it really is. Right. Or it might make the symptoms less than it really is. So whatever you normally do when you fall asleep, we're trying to capture that. Right. Understood. Just to chime in on a point that Ronaldo made, um, another medic- reason why we try to avoid medication is with all of the connections that are attached to the patient, one of those measures your brain function, your brain activity. Mm-hmm. And many sleeping aids that persons may take, even something as simple as Benadryl, mm. these affect the wave pattern during the different parts of sleep. And in addition to monitoring your oxygen level, in addition to monitoring your movement, in addition to monitoring your snoring, the airflow, we also monitor your brain wave activity because mm. that gives us an idea of any type of sleep disorders that might be present in the different stages that a person goes through from being awake to going through to light sleep mm-hmm. and then going to the deepest part of sleep called REM, where someone recharges and recovers. Mm-hmm. So we try to avoid any medication because those also affect the results of what we're looking for. Okay. All right, good. Um, so we've covered what happens before the study, during the study. So what can I expect to happen after the study has been completed? Okay. 
after the study, I would like to stress again that this is a stress-free environment. You don't need the next day off from work. You don't have to go recover and get some more sleep when you go home. You're typically doing what you do, what you do at home. You're doing at our sleep facility. So after your sleep study, you are able to go home or you can go to work. The report is then repaired. The report is then prepared and then sent to your physician within 48 to 72 hours. Mm-hmm. The report would include all findings and recommendations and recommendations that may be warranted. Okay. Um, and is this something where if I do a sleep study today, like, is this something that would bear repeating at some point um, in the future or how often or how frequent might I need to do a sleep study to see how I'm responding to any treatment or anything like that that may have been prescribed after the fact? Ronaldo, can I, can I take this one? Yeah, you know, go I, ahead. Most certainly. <laughs> um, so the sleep study is used for diagnosis mm-hmm. and let's say once the sleep study will either determine you have uh, no sleep disorder obstructive sleep apnea which is by far and large the most common sleep disorder that you will find or another sleep behavior disorder if you do not have obstructive sleep apnea or another sleep disorder and symptoms persist you may need another sleep study in the future. Mm -hmm. If you have obstructive sleep apnea and your sleep apnea is controlled by the treatment that Ronaldo had mentioned earlier, the CPAP or the BiPAP, we can monitor your response to treatment with using the actual CPAP or BiPAP machine. So a repeat sleep study would not be necessary. If you have another sleep disorder that's not obstructive sleep apnea, then you might require another sleep study in the future. But for the most part, you get a sleep study, you get diagnosed, and then you get treated. Okay. Okay. I think that um, kind of gives us a, a, an overview of how that, that process works and what, we, what someone can expect coming out on the, on the other side of the study. Um, so is this something that I need a referral for? Is this something I can just call the hospital and say, Hey, I think I might have, uh, you know, a sleep disorder. I want to do a sleep study. How does that process work and how would somebody go about making an appointment? We, we can look at this, uh, two ways. Okay. Firstly, if you have your primary care physician, you can have your primary care physician refer you for that sleep study. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a primary care physician, you can see one of our doctors in our sessional clinic, mm-hmm. and they will be happy to refer you for that sleep for that sleep study. Um, to make an appointment, you can call our office at three zero two four six eight one. You can let uh, the person there know that you would like to have a sleep study done, and they'll be happy to book the next appointment available. Okay. All right. This has been a very um a very enlightening conversation. It's been a very good conversation. Um, I know Ronaldo, you and I have had um a fair bit of conversation um and work done in terms of preparing um for you know getting this information out into the environment about the sleep study, about what we are trying to accomplish in terms of encouraging people to to have one done in case they think that they may have 
uh, one of the sleep disorders or related issue. Uh, so it's good to finally get both you and Dr. Cargill on the podcast and really talk through this information. Uh, I want to thank you both for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us today. Um, I know it's a busy time and there's a lot going on, but I'm very grateful that you were able to join us on the podcast today. And I'm sure our listeners will be as well. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the Doctors Hospital podcast. I'd like to extend a thank you to Dr. Adrian Cargill and Ronaldo Clark for taking time out to appear on the podcast today. Uh, we had a very good discussion on some serious sleep disorders and some of the health problems that can be associated with those disorders. I uh, hope that for everyone who's listened, you know, you've learned something. And for those of you who may think um, that you or your partner may be suffering from one of the disorders that we discussed that it would encourage you to go and get yourself um, tested, get a sleep study done to see, you know, if there's something more sinister that may be going on with your health. As always, we thank you for listening to the podcast. We ask that you like, comment, subscribe, and share. And we will see you here next week on the Doctor's Hospital podcast.